Behind every song is a voice, and every voice is a story. The journeys behind the voices brings life to the music that shapes each of us. Brought to you by Visible Music College and in partnership with the largest online Christian music site new released today, this is Behind the Tunes, and I am your host, Austin Black. Together, we will explore those journeys, the journeys behind the artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Our guest today is Nathan Walters, songwriter and producer and former member of the CCM band Plus One. We'll explore his hesitancy to join a boy band, the journey of five strangers from around the country being brought together in Plus One, and what he's up to today. This is Behind the Tunes. today with Nathan Walters, producer, songwriter, former member of the CCM band, plus one. You can learn all about him at NathanWaltersMusic.com. Nathan, thanks so much for being here today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Austin. For sure, for sure. Now, you're in the Nashville area, been there a hot minute, and I know you bounced to LA for a minute, but what is home for you originally? Uh, I would say originally I, I grew I grew up in Florida. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia area, um, but I mean from age four to twenty or nineteen, basically I, I was based out in Florida. So that's yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. But you know what's funny? I was just thinking this the other day. I was like I always tell people, yeah, I'm from Florida, but now so many years have gone by that I have been kind of based out of Nashville just as much as I was in Florida, you know, now I'm way older, so it's like, <laughs> whoa, okay, now I got to tell people I'm from Nashville, which, you know, I, I feel like I'm from Nashville, okay. even though I bounced around. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine, <laughs> you, you call it home base. So what So what was your journey like, I guess, from Florida to Nashville? You make your way to Nashville, what, 19 or 20? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think the official time I moved up was like 19, and uh, that was kind of a process. Like I, you know, I, I grew up listening to Christian music. Big, I was a big Michael W. Smith fan. Too embarrassing, too big. You know, I was. I mean, I mean, I'm not embarrassed. I'm telling everybody. But looking back at myself, I was like, whoa, okay. I, I had too many uh, posters everywhere. Um, but my point is, I, I loved Christian music. I wanted to be the next Michael W. Smith when I was 14. And um, I was like, I'm moving to Nashville. That's where Christian music's at. I got to move over there. And I was thinking that at 15, 16, you know? So um, probably um, starting, yeah, around 17 or so, I would start taking little trips up to uh, Nashville to go to the gospel, um, the Devil Wards, GMA mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. And I would just, and I was too young to like, enroll or go up there by myself and even like enroll so i would just have my mom go up with me and i was like hey um i'm just gonna hang out in the lobby of the hotel <laughs> where the the event's happening gma and i had my I had a backpack and i had my uh, cassette demo tapes oh, yeah. <laughs> and i would just just hang out in the front lobby for hours and just and and just wait for people and i learned now looking back i kind of learned early on the power of just networking and just being a you know, approachable person and not have no fear just start talking to people. Cause I met a lot of people in developed relationships that have, I still have today that are within the industry just by hanging out in the lobby. 
And um, but I did that for a few years, and then probably around 18 or 19, I was like, okay, I'm gonna move to Nashville, and I just went for it and uh, moved up. Had a had a uh, friend that I co-wrote a lot of songs with in Florida, and we said let's let's move together. So we moved up together, and um, and uh, yeah, I just kind of dove in. I think I got my first job at um, a shoe store somewhere. Uh, yeah, Is it Jarman's is that a shoe store? Does that sound familiar? I think it was Jarman's. And, um, and yeah, yeah, I was doing that and, um, was like, I'm gonna go for my dreams. And, um, and surprisingly at that shoe store, I met some, um, I met some, uh, well, I feel like I'm getting ahead. I feel like you'll ask me questions, but I, 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 um, no, you're going where we're going. Go ahead and go there. Go ahead and go. Okay. 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 We're doing it. Um, (laughs) I, I, well, I met a guy named Matt Bronley and, um, he, if you don't know who he is, he, he, was I think technically an original Jars of Clay member before they kind of blew up, but he definitely produced and wrote a lot of their stuff. And um, from from then he became you know super established music producer and, and songwriter and uh, does that today. He's produced everybody from uh, um, a bunch of people, CCM um, uh, genre to pop music and, and film and TV now. Um, so, uh, but but that being said, I met him. He, I was selling shoes to him, <laughs> and I don't know I don't but um basically i don't know we just started talking i think i told him i was trying to pursue music and something about that conversation he i think i gave him my number and anyway he called me and was like hey man actually my wife was like that kid you should call him he, he seems you know like a good kid you know and i don't know why he just took interest in it and was like hey dude i'll try to you know let's keep in touch and that relationship along with others kind of helped uh, even unfold my journey into auditioning for Plus One, to be honest. So. Okay, so you're at a shoe store, you're working at a shoe store, this guy comes in, it begins this relationship. Like, how long from that point in the shoe store to auditioning for Plus One? Uh, I feel like it was uh, a couple months, maybe. It was, it was pretty quick. Um, so, so he, you know, it, so what does that bring up, Matt Bromley, is... Um, I'm actually just remembering all this. Um, is he? His, my relationship with him was just like, hey, we just know each other. Let's see what where this goes, you know, musically. And and um, what happened is I told him, hey, I've got this opportunity to audition for this this band. Okay. And um, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure if I should do it, you know. And he, along with some others, I had had a conversation with many people in the industry, and and he he definitely was one. Is like, you have to do it. And he's like, you know. David Foster, you know who this is? And I was like, I don't know who David Foster is. David Foster was, was one of the producers who was going to be involved with, with uh, Plus One and we eventually signed his label and, and he produced um, and executive produced a bunch of our records. Um, and I remember Matt telling me, this guy, David Foster, you should check him out. He's huge, you know? And um, so that was that kind of validated the experience. He goes, maybe I should go audition, you know, because he said that. And um, uh, yeah, so it was probably two months Three months later, after I met him, that I had the opportunity to audition. Okay, so how did and you? And there's a story behind that. I feel like I'm jumping. No, 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 no. no. That's <laughs> good. You, you That's go good. Well you, well, you, you, well, you know the story better than, than anybody because you lived it, and so you kind of know how it unfolds. How, like, I guess my my, my question is, you are at that point, you already knew that there's opportunity to, to audition for Plus One. How did you come across that opportunity? Okay, so. Yeah, I when I got to Nashville, I you know I just try to open, try to put myself in, in places that open doors might be, and so I kind of um, had a few 
potential things going. I mean, you know, the music industry, a lot of people say stuff, you know, like, is this, is this real or not? Looking back, the only real strong potential is probably the plus one thing. So I'm glad I went for it. But the other ones, I wasn't sure. And they seemed like they're there. And so I had a few things in the works. I'm like, I might go this route. I might go that route. Um, and, um, so I was like, I'm just going to say yes to everything kind of, you know? And, um, as far as opportunities, auditioning or writing with people, that kind of stuff. And, um, and so what happened is I was playing the piano for a Southern gospel artist named, um, Janet Pascal. And she was touring with, yeah, she was touring with, um, the whole Bill Gaither, the Gaither homecoming thing, you know, where where they, I don't know if you know what that is. Oh yeah. Of course you know what it is. Um, and so I, I was on that for a few months, you know, and and I was originally going out because I was I was going to replace their piano, uh, their piano player because he was leaving and I was coming in, and you know I I I grew up listening to pop music and you know and and as far as structure of that that I didn't really think like a southern gospel artist you know or or, or a piano player that's that's a whole other <laughs> thought process on the piano. And so I was like, yeah, sure, I could do this. Well, it turns out, I, so they, I tried to learn the songs. You know, I wasn't great at playing by ear at the time. Um, and I, I basically got thrown out there. And they said, let's just do a show. You know, you'll play the piano along with these tracks. You know, and so I just kind of did it, and it just was really flopped. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and so it really flopped. And they were like, it's okay. Hey, you know, you still need maybe need some more time learning the songs, and then you, you know, you can become the official player. So I went, what they did is they gave, they gave me a job selling the merch. So I was at the merch table. So, you know, I'm touring with them. I'm at the merch table. Um, and I meet a, another, uh, manager of one of the other gospel, Southern gospel artists. Um, um, it was a group called the Martins. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. So they had a manager. Um, and, um, I'm going blank on his last name. I can't, Brian Hudson. Yeah, Brian Hudson is his name. And and so we we were talking for a bit, and and um, yeah, I mean he just I yeah. So basically he was like, dude, he's like, I like you. You're a great guy. I got to tell you about this opportunity that is is happening. I have a friend, another manager. He had a friend, and he says this this friend is a manager who's putting together a, a Christian in sync. Is how he said it. <laughs> and I was like. And, and, you know, me, piano player, thinking I'm this, you know, I'm a legit artist. I was like, that, I had red flags, like, I don't want to be in a boy band. No way, are you kidding me? That's TV. <laughs> that was my thought. And, and, um, and I, and I say, Christian didn't sing, what? you know, and he's like, you know, you should, aud- you should audition for it. I'll tell him about you. And he, that night, I literally told him, um, no, don't tell him about me. You know, it's very non-confrontational. Then I was like, I was like, you know, don't don't tell him. And he kept telling, saying it over and over, like six times a night. I remember this guy keeps bringing this up, but he didn't tell. And and I had to get strict. And I was like, hey, for real, don't don't have him call me because if he calls me, it's just gonna be hard for me to say no. And I don't even want to be in that position. So don't have him call me. I'm not even interested in doing that. Something like that. Well, turns out he he has the guy call me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the guy, his name's Mitchell Solaric, who um is the manager for plus one who, who put the band together and, and, um, had the vision for this, this idea. And so Mitchell calls me and is like, Hey, I heard you're interested in doing this boy band. <laughs> and, I, and so I was like, you know, let me be open-minded. So I at least was like, uh, yeah, what are the details? And so he, you know, he tells me there's a, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a boy band, Christian music. Um, it, uh, he at the time said it will be an instant record deal with Atlantic Records, 
And, um, and so that got my attention. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa what? What's this? You know? And, and I thought, huh, okay, maybe I should. And he's like, I, and I was like, yeah, well, when are the auditions? He's like, tomorrow. I'm like, awesome. He goes, and I'm living in Nashville. He goes, tomorrow, um, in San Francisco. What? <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I, I had never been to California. You know, so that made me, I'm like, wow. I, I was still like, is San Francisco in California? I think it is. You know, it's that phone, you know, everything. And, and I was like, um, yeah, that sounds exciting. And, um, but I had, I still second guessed it, had this red flag that let me think about it. And, um, so I think I called him back and was like, Hey man. Oh yeah. I thought about it. Told my roommate at the time. I was like, Hey, I tried to do this. And he, he kind of talked me out of it. He was like, man, you don't want to do that. You know, you're a solo artist. You want to, you want to be in a boy band. That's cheesy. Go, go for what you want to do. Keep your integrity, you know? And, um, I said, yeah, you're right. You know? So, so I called him back and, and I literally thought about taking up the offer just to get a free ticket. Oh, he was going to pay for the ticket, the flight mm. to San Francisco. That was the cool thing about it. So I was like, well, this is, this is big time, you know? And, um, I literally thought about going, maybe I'll just take the free ticket to San Francisco just to, experience San Francisco, you know. Um, but I felt bad about doing that, so I told Mitchell, I was like, hey, you know, thanks for the opportunity, but I, I feel like I don't want to waste your ticket and your money, so um, I'll, I'm just going to have to say no. Thanks for asking me. And and he was taken back by that, and he actually said, you know what, well, that's nice of you. Thanks for saying that. He's like, oh, let's, let's keep in touch. You never know. We might work in some way. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. And um thinking, you know, he's just saying that. Um, so that was probably a Friday or Thursday, and that weekend I was supposed to go back out on the road with Janet Pascal, the Southern Gospel mm-hmm. recording artist I was with, and and so I go back out on the road with her, and so naturally, you know, we're you know you're in the bus and you're we were on a bus and and we were talking back and forth at the shows, and I I brought up the fact that oh hey by the way guys I got this call from this manager I told him about Atlantic Records Christian Boy Band, and and Janet Pascal was like what you should definitely audition for that. Why did you say no? You should never turn out a, an opportunity just to even network because you don't know what comes of that. And I immediately saw the weight of her word and was like, oh, man, what did I do? I ruined it, you know? <laughs> and, you know, obviously I tell my parents, they're saying the same thing. Why did you say no, you know? And and I literally was like, okay. And and, and I um, – so I, I – I, I, that night, you know, uh, not that night, that whole day, I was like praying, going, oh, God, did, did I ruin this? Is this something you brought my way, a door that was open that I said no to? Because here I am going to Nashville, and I'm praying, Lord, open these doors, God, my, you know, <laughs> path. And I was like, did I, wow, did I miss this? And so I said, well, Lord, even though it's not 100% something I envisioned for my musical career to start out in a boy band, you know, um, I, I was like, if this is something you want me to do, then as a sign, have him just call me back, which I thought that conversation's done. You know, why would he call me? You know, I like have, have him call me back. That's how I know this is something I need to do. I wasn't going to reach out. Well, I get back after that weekend. I think it was Monday. Yeah, Monday or Tuesday. And um, Mitchell literally called me. And this hmm. is this is this is before like cell phones were a normal thing for people to have. You know, so I didn't have a cell phone. He called me on my landline, and um. I don't know why that's an interesting detail. I guess the fact is that I was at home and the phone rang, which, you know, anyway, so I, I, I get the, you know, I get the calls. And so he says, Hey, um, we had the auditions in San Francisco. You know, we narrowed it. We, we had 10 people, 10 guys from around the country come out that we narrowed it down to. It's like a private invite audition. And, and, uh, out of, out of the 10 guys, we have four guys we really love, but we still have a, a fifth spot open that we really need someone and he said, will you, will you please at least consider auditioning? And I'm like, Whoa, 
are you kidding me? In my head, I'm like, I just prayed, Lord, if this is your, you know, so I was like, this is like a sign to be, you know, why, why, you know, I had, I had blown him off completely and he's still calling back, basically begging me to audition for this band. I was like, well, that was a dream come true. You know, I should still take, you know, you know, I should go, go for this. So I said, yeah, of course. Thinking, awesome. I get to fly to California. He goes, great. Um, he's like, you can audition in Nashville with a guy named Barry Landis, who's the head of the Atlantic, uh, records, Christian division uh, in, out of Nashville. And, um, and I was slightly let down, like, oh man, I'm going to take But, uh, but hey, I get to go to Atlantic Records on Music Road. This is huge, you know, in Nashville. And, um, and so I was like, sure. He's like, so literally, I think the next day or two, I, I went up there to the office. And I mean, I was nervous, but also like, just like, blown, you know, I'm, I'm young. I was, was it 19? Yeah, 19, 20, maybe. I think I was 20 by the time. And it was like, no, I was 19. Whatever, I think 1920. And, and I was like, man, this is, I can't believe this is happening. This is awesome. So I brought my, my acoustic guitar and um, I, I went to the office and, you know, met Barry and he's super nice. And, and I said, you know, how do I audition? And he said, well, just sing something. So I was like, okay. So I pulled out, a, you know, took my rote and played on the guitar and closed my eyes just because I was, didn't want to see his, his reaction at all. <laughs> it was good or bad. Or bad. <laughs> because I was still insecure about my voice. I wasn't like a really mm. strong singer i mean i wasn't bad but i still didn't have a lot of power and a very airy voice which you know majority of plus one i kind of still had that airy voice but um but i still didn't i mean i, I mean i was a singer but i still wasn't like a confident like you know wow them with your your vocal runs and power it was just more of a vibe you know and so i thought oh he's not gonna you know like he may not like you know my voice was my thought well in within like a few seconds he literally he was like you're in. Wow. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what? Oh, okay. And so I said, oh, okay. He said, let me show the other guys. So he pulls out some headshots and he shows me the other guys, you know? And I'm like, okay, so these are the other guys in the group. Okay. And um, he's like, so yeah, you're in. I'll tell, him, I'll tell Mitchell you're in. You're the guy. And I was like, okay. Well, guess what? In my mind, I instantly get cold feet and second guess. Wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. Is this the right thing to do? Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe, maybe, maybe I got this wrong, you know. And I think it's just because I saw the other guys, and and and, and I had never met them. It just felt like, what kind of commitment am I getting into? You know, these are real people. Committing to be a do a band with them, strangers. You know? And um, yeah. And so I, I walked away, and I think I said something to him that made him think I was second guessing it. I think I did tell him, okay, let me let me think about it before I officially commit. What I said, and. Later, I didn't know this, but later, Barry tells Mitchell, hey, I just auditioned Nathan, and it'd be perfect for the group because he has a high voice, and that's what we're missing, like a high tenor thing. And um, he's like, but I, I think he may not, I don't think he's going to do it. So I didn't know that. I, I, I gave him that kind of vibe. Like, oh, I um, but obviously the next day, I was like, what am I doing? Of course I'm going to do this. So I, um, I said, yeah, let's do it. So that's that's my audition story. That's that's how that's how the group happened, or I got in the group. So at that point, you're in a band with four complete strangers that you you've never met whatsoever. Not even the audition because yeah. you weren't there. So what was that like? Did they just say, "All right, everybody rendezvous in Nashville or California and and start rehearsing"? What how how do you you know most bands begin organically in some way, shape, or fashion, but you guys were literally pieced together. And so, like, yeah. what does that look like as it begins? 
Yeah, well, you know, they did try to allow a, kind of an organic kind of friendship developed between us. So what they did is they um, moved us all out to San Francisco because that's where Mitchell, our manager, was living at the time. And um, we, we moved to San Francisco, and um, we were in a one-bedroom apartment. Oh, wow. On San Francisco, okay? <laughs> so you get to know each other really well, you know? You're like, you know, and, and it was fun. We were all excited, you know? Do you think, let, let me say, do you think that was by design, that like they put you in really tight quarters like that? Or was it just, just like we can't afford I, to put them in a, in a four-bedroom or I something? Think I think San Francisco, one of the most expensive places to live. I think it's more gotcha. the money. Yeah, I, I think it's more money, but um, I don't know. Maybe. No, I would think I would think it's more of a financial thing, but that worked out, you know, and, and – you know, it was so tight, actually, that um, – so, yeah, I, there's four of us. So uh, there's two beds in that apartment. Um, maybe – oh, I'm sorry. One bed, one couch that, that turned into a bed, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's crazy. I'm, you asked me these questions. I have not visualized this until now. It's been <laughs> weird. I think Nate and Jeremy shared the same bed, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then Jason and I – Oh, sorry. No, no. Okay, I'm mixing. Okay, sorry. There's a whole nother story here. Um, okay, okay. Yes, yeah, so the original five members was Nate Cole, Jeremy Meyer, myself, uh, Gabe Combs, and Grady Long, who okay. Grady Long was not in the plus one that everybody knows. All right. Grady Long it was the brother of um oh my gosh his brother um i can't believe i'm pausing this uh greg greg long Long. wow really thank you so much yeah yeah Yeah, greg long who who was a solo artist successful solo artist himself and he's now uh, in in avalon right yeah um so greg long's little brother or younger brother um grady was in the band and so I don't honestly. I really don't remember. So I don't think we all moved to San Francisco yet. We had met in San Francisco in a hotel, so we had, we did have our own hotel rooms for a couple of times. So that's right. They gave us two hotel rooms. Maybe there was three, but um, so that's how we technically all met each other. And and so somewhere in there we lived. That was for a few, maybe about a week or something. And um, and um, basically somewhere in there, Grady. Uh, decided not to do the band, so he said, "Hey, I think I'm, you know, I'm not going to do the band," and, and so he decided to do it. And so now we're only four members. During this whole time, we we had already been rehearsing, we had done a demo, um, and kind of trying to figure out our sound. We actually called, we did a couple of live performances, like at, at at some churches, and just things to kind of get to know each other. And um, we called ourselves Blue. <laughs> we're like, let's, because we're trying to think of names. We're like, let's just go for Blue. I don't know why. It's so weird. I mean, I think there's a band called Blue, but we were like, let's call ourselves Blue. And so we, I think I even have a, a printed out CD with our name on it saying, you know, like our name was Blue, you know, and I think it was a song called Beyond the Clouds is the name of the song. Um, oh. that Phil Cetus and Stephanie Lewis wrote. I think both of them wrote that. And um, those are two big writers who ended up writing um, some of our biggest songs in Plus One, actually. Um, like The Promise, God is in This Place, mm-hmm. and uh, a few others. But, um, but yeah, so um, so we're down to four members, and we're like, well, I guess this is going to be us, just the four of us. Somewhere in there, I think we end up moving into the apartment that I had originally mentioned in San Francisco. So now we're in an apartment, 
and we are like just the four of us um and you know how are we going to do this and so somewhere in there someone had mentioned to Mitchell hey there's another guy from Indiana Madison Indiana um who might be perfect for this group he got a killer voice great look pretty perfect you know and and so we were kind of we had already bonded the four of us you know for I feel like it's been it was easy two weeks three weeks you know which seems short but you know felt like a long time and um and uh so anyway was like yeah okay let's at least meet this guy you know so we saw a video of him vhs video back in the day you know there's no iphones no you know internet the way it is now and we're like okay yeah this guy this could be cool you know and he's singing at church and and then he comes in and we meet him we're like okay yeah so we walk around downtown san francisco just kind of walking around eating talking and and then we're like, yeah, I think this guy, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be cool if he wants to do it. So um, Jason Perry was, was, was the guy, and he obviously was one of the guys in Plus One. He was the fifth member. So he came later. He's in the group. The five of us, we're living in San Francisco. Now I caught up my story. <laughs> so we're living in San Francisco <laughs> in a one-bedroom apartment, and um, Jason and I are, are in a bed. Jeremy and Nate are sharing a bed, and then Gabe the, the only room for him was literally in a closet on a mattress. <laughs> I don't know why he got the, the raw end of the deal, which probably was not the raw end because, you know, he's like, right. yeah, I got my own room. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we we literally lived like that for um, six months, I think, hmm. like that. So that was six months. And, and so um, and for about eight hours a day, we went to um, – rehearsal dance rehearsal classes to like work with a choreographer on some just to learn how to dance together and then also on some songs that we were kind of thinking about doing and just kind of basically putting a band together you know and so all of that for six months really bonded us we had you know some a lot of great experiences and, and fun memories in san francisco and um uh yeah it was it was pretty fun and that's how we kind of gelled right away and, and looking back it's it's really amazing that the five of us got along so well because we were from all over the country and it's just i, mean, it's just, I can't believe we got along you know our voices mm-hmm. we recognized wow our voices really have this gel that that happens you know we really loved harmonizing together we fell in love with doing the boy band thing you know first i was against it and i was like this is actually really cool you know <laughs> and and um yeah and in our personalities um yeah i got along and, and i think over time we even you know you, over time you start to really get to know each other and so i think we went through some phases of ups and downs of of uh you know getting along with getting and not getting along with people in the band but for the most part we got along with everybody but there was our moments you know? <laughs> i understand that yeah we were with nathan walters producer songwriter a uh, member of the CCM band plus one. Um, so you're, you're in this boy band. And at that point, I guess kind of much of history picks up and people um, that, that were around them were, were probably listening to you guys. Um, you know, the early days on the road were, were those, I guess really like, did y'all, did you kind of start off out of the gate just faster than a lot of people? Um, or were there yeah. really kind of those funky things, you know, early on? Well, I mean, I guess technically we had some, you know, shows that were like at a gymnasium for a school, a couple of churches. I mean, that, that, that was kind of our early days, but that was literally just for a few months. It's not fair. You know, you get bands that slave away for years trying to make it happen. And ours was just for a few months. 
you know, playing in these, you know, little places. And then literally when, um, you know, we signed our deal to Atlantic and then Atlantic Records um, worked out at Barry Landis at Atlantic, said, hey, I want to bring in David Foster, you know, big, iconic music producer. And um, he's wanting to get into Christian music. And um, so we uh, we sang a song for him on the phone. Oh wow! And he was he was like, "This is great, come on down." So you know, then we ended up moving to L.A. We were there for I don't know that I felt like maybe we were there for six months. Maybe between San Francisco and L.A. That's what it was. We were there for for six months. I'm getting my times mixed up, but um, but yeah, we were there for a few months. And um, so we we're recording with with David and um and doing some of that but so yeah so once he got involved and Atlanta got involved to answer your question yeah they just started throwing money at advertising and next you know it's like we had never truly done any really big shows yet and our record wasn't out yet um and here we are in you know magazines and you know our faces are on like banners that you know uh, got that GMA week, which is you know like I said this big mm-hmm. thing that I used to go to when I was a little kid and, and, and or younger trying to meet people. Well, here I was, my face plastered with the band all over the you know different areas. So everybody knew who Plus One in the industry in Christian music industry. Everyone knew who Plus the buzz about Plus One before our record came out. You know, so it was <laughs> we were like oh feeling the pressure, you know, and um, yeah, and so yeah, it was because of yeah the 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 money was there that the label upfronted and, and put behind it, make that happen, which, you know, we are very grateful for. And, um, uh, you know, I, I don't think all of us knew how amazing that was and how like, this is not normal, you know, yeah. um, for it to happen this way. And, um, I think in some ways we may have taken it for granted, but I don't know. I mean, it, it was just happening so quick that yeah. we're like, okay, well, we got a tour. Okay. I mean, our first real tour was opening up for Jackie Velasquez, you know? Oh, wow. And yeah. And so we were like, okay. And we were just doing all these shows. And I feel like for the most part, yeah, they're just big shows, you know, 7,000, 10,000 or more, sometimes 30,000, you know, um, audiences of that much to where I remember one day, fast forward in the future, um, some of our shows uh, had a tour was, was was not doing as well, and just time was changing, and boy bands were changing. And um, I remember there was only um, there wasn't as many people in the audience. And there one of our members saying, "Man, it's just frustrating." You know, it was it was it was from a good place, but it's looking back, it sounds funny. It's just frustrating. There's only two thousand people in the audience. <laughs> 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 looking back, looking back, we're like. What are you talking about? You know, but but at the time you think about it, if you're used to having you know a lot more in the two thousand, you're like, oh my gosh, um, all that is what the reason I'm saying that is, is just to be like it was just upfront, it's backwards. It's like we didn't really earn it necessarily, and no, we didn't earn it. You know, it was just given to us right. as far as promotion, the hype, and the the brand, and uh, we just kind of try to fill in the shoes and and you know and went for the ride on that. Bright lights flash Angels vastly move across the sky Singing hallelujah in the night Voices ring There's a heavenly awakening Honoring the coming of a king But here on earth This child's birth 
since that amazing time when God came in an image of a man. And as a child, did he feel a little different? Did he know he was a God and what it meant? Bringing hope with his words, healing hearts and giving vision to the blind. That's the You know, I th- road stories are always so funny to me um, because everybody sees the the lights come on and they see, you know, the show itself and, and you know, in their minds, it goes off without a hitch. Is there like if you guys are sitting around talking now or whatever, is there like a, a, a on the road story that would stick out um, as far as just kind of a wacky story? Yeah, I mean. There's something that it's not so much crazy and, and, and weird, but one thing that really sticks out is this, it's just an amazing feeling is, is being at this place. They call it, I think it's called the gorge and it's in George Washington. Okay. I think if I'm not mistaken, and it's a big festival, um, that happens there and, um, or did, and it was literally like a hundred, I think close to a hundred thousand people. It's all, it's outside. And it's this big canyon looking backdrop. So you're on the stage and behind you is this big um, scenery of this, the mountains and the beautiful like um, West coast kind of vibe. So that was just amazing just to, to do something like that, that um, I thought was just awesome. It was just amazing. Um, yeah. Just to be a part of. And so you see the sea of people and I guess this is more from a personal level, but I, I remember being out there and excited. We're doing this. This is so cool. And, and um, I'm dancing on stage, and then all of a sudden, a handful of people are pointing to me, 
and um, are saying something. But I'm still singing and dancing, and I'm like, oh, um, what are they saying? You know, it seems important. <laughs> I'm still going for it. <laughs> and and then I notice a little more people in the front are still pointing and saying something. It's now spread to like, you know, seems like 20 people or so. You spread, know? yeah. And, um, and so, and then I, I, and I finally, there's a part where I'm able to stop and kind of stop dancing. And I look and I'm like, what? I, kinda, I think I said what, you know, with my mouth, like what? You know? And and they were and they said your zippers down. <laughs> and I, was, and I was like, oh man, I was so embarrassed. Like you know, here's a hundred thousand people watching us. You know, no one's gonna see it except from the, I don't know, you know, first few rows. It wasn't even rows. It's just a crowd of people. Um, so yeah, I, I I just made a big deal of it and just zipped up my zipper, you know, really quick. Um, so that was kind of that was kind of crazy, but um. um yeah, I mean that's that's one thing that comes to mind. That was more from from my personal. There's one. There's one. I think I remember you telling me years ago, and yeah, I may me. I may be getting something mixed up, but okay. am I remembering right that at one point you guys get into a van, and there is like a young girl hiding under the seat? Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That, I love that you flip it. They're like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Like they're just hiding yeah, yeah. on your okay. van. I'm thinking like those. Yeah, yeah. No, that 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 they hid in there, and it and it wasn't too crazy. Like, oh my gosh, it was just one. Like, yeah, I don't know how she got in there, but I guess we just left the doors unlocked. She's hiding in there, and it wasn't like she's being weird or anything. She she was just like hiding, like, hey, I'm here, and um, yeah, we didn't feel threatened or anything, but it was just like, oh, okay. You just like open the door and say, like, okay, see see yourself out now. We'll see, we'll see you later. Yeah. I think I was. I don't remember. It too, I remember it happening, but my experience of that, I was more in the front of the van. I think I was maybe I was driving. You know? No, I wasn't driving, but I was in the front. And I think some the guys in the back were more startled. Like, what? Who's? But um, yeah, it's like crabs are that, that being a thing. You know, I mean, there's you know, there's a lot of you know, there's a there's some cool there's some crazy. Now you you, guys, you say stuff like that. We had extreme fans, different groups of fans. You, you know, like there was some. There's these girls, and they would call themselves the Candy Girls, and oh, no. and um, they would literally um, uh, just bring tons of candy for us, you know. <laughs> and and sometimes, hey, come here, and we almost felt like we, you know, start, we actually started to, get to know them because they, you know, were at the time we're coming to a bunch of different shows, and well, oh, there's the Candy Girls. Oh, there's oh, the, the same people. And oh yeah, same people, same 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 three girls. And um and they they would you know within their area would come to all these different shows and bring candy like tons of candy you know and um so yeah stuff like that and then and then um yeah and and um then you also had some some fans that maybe were a little crazy and crossed the the uh, the boundaries you know of 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 uh, interacting you know we back then we'd have like a a, a signing line you know you do mm -hmm. a show and you sit down at a table and everybody lines up and they come through and and we was you know we would sign for two hours after every show in, in the height mm -hmm. of plus one and, and and obviously we're interacting taking pictures you know and everything and and that can feel exhausting you know after a while like i remember my face hurting because you're smiling <laughs> <laughs> and um and and um the um some there was a group of people who uh, yeah I, yeah um who would come through and just start inventing things to sign oh you're back here again okay okay you know <laughs> so i got crazy like hey can you 
sign this little other piece of paper. Like yeah. we're just re-signing. We're like, okay, okay. And it, it, it's like if that was two or three things, maybe it's fine. But it got to where it was more than that. And we're like, okay. And to where they would like bring grapes and be like, hey, can you take a picture while we mm-hmm. show you, like we feed these grapes to you? Just weird. <laughs> we're like, oh, no, that's weird. Yeah. That's weird. And then I, I think one of them um, – I don't know. I mean, they're good-hearted people because we we got to actually know them because they, they would also follow us around. But there was a, I think they were just so excited to be around us that they just maybe just didn't know the boundaries, you know. And um, um, so I don't want to knock them too too hard because I know they might be listening. And hey, guys, you know who you are. That's right. That's right. And, and I want you on the show. So reach out be, well, behind the tunes at gmail dot com. <laughs> I will say this real quick. Um, that if they are listening, it's kind of cool. So this group of people was a family. They literally would follow us everywhere. Felt like it. No, not not felt like it. They did um, follow us everywhere. And um, and uh, even got to the point where sometimes there was one time one of the mother. Oh my gosh, I'm, I feel like I'm talking about. It, but they would even show up and try to knock on our hotel room doors. You know, Ooh. like hey, you know, not not in a weird like frisky way didn't feel like they're trying to hey you know we're here at your hotel right. room. you know it was just more like hey we want to talk to you again that kind of thing and we're like hey this is guys show's over you know it's weird <laughs> um my point i'm trying to bring this up is to say this extreme fan relationship this group of people um the mother was like you know always videoing us and just made us sometimes feel really uncomfortable and and one day she says hey she brings a CD. It's probably a year or two later. Brings a CD. Here's a song I wrote. Will you listen to it? And I'm like, sure. And I, I took it. And I'll be honest. Maybe ill-hearted of me. I'm sorry. I was like, hey guys, so and so gave us a CD, the song. Let's listen to it. And I honestly uh, so listened to like, okay, this is not gonna sound great. You know, I don't know why. It's hor- I'm sorry for. for I would have like thought the same thing. thing. No, I would have thought the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Okay. It just is mean-hearted. But I was like, okay, let you know. So we were prepared to kind of laugh i don't know like oh ha 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 well surprisingly not surprisingly we were like oh this is actually a really good song <laughs> you know? and, and and then we we're like oh okay she's a great songwriter okay and um i thought that was cool just a reminder don't 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 judge people you know you don't judge a book by show up to your hotel room <laughs> if they listen if you showed up to plus one's hotel room behind the tunes at gmail.com we'll get you on i want to hear some stories Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we're here with Nathan Walters, uh, NathanWaltersMusic.com. Nathan, just kind of fast-forwarding, uh, I guess kind of rewinding to fast-forward a little bit. Do you remember the first album you ever bought? Oh, yeah. It was a cassette um, of uh, Carmen. Okay. Uh, Radically Saved. Remember that? Yeah. I I'm know. just I remember Radically Carmen. Saved. <laughs> yeah. You a big Carmen fan? Yeah, I think I was. Yeah, I guess for a season, yeah, I went out and bought all his stuff. Because, I, I mean, this is from, like, 13, 14 years old, yeah. and I was, like, maybe 12, 12 and 13. And I and I literally would get those all his revival in the land, radically saved, um, like the champion, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would uh, at our church, um, they would have, like, this time where you could go up and, like, play the piano or sing or do a skit or whatever on Sunday nights, you know, for the – for the kids' church, you know, or youth church, and um, and so I would like go up there, and I would <laughs> mimic, I would lip sync, lip sync oh. the talking and singing to like 
the champion <laughs> or radically saved or, or stuff like that. I wasn't singing. I was up there performing. I, and I did it such, with such confidence at 12 and I think 11, you know, where I wasn't shy about it. You know, I was also a homeschooler. So I probably didn't know that, hey, that can get you laughed at. But you know what? All that was stage experience that helped me in the, in right. the, in the long run, I guess. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. I, I love the, the best part is the lip singing part of it. Uh, so, so Karma was your first album you ever bought. We know Michael W. Smith was a big influence of yours. Who are some other influences? Is Nathan, young Nathan Walters is growing up. He loves music. He wants to be a CCM artist. Who are some other influences for you? Yeah. Um... I was into Cindy Morgan for a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, Cindy Morgan, I liked, there's a pop record, or when I say pop genre, um, she did. Um, yeah, she was on you here. You know, because I had a high, oh, cool. Um, I had, yeah, I, I liked listening, well, I don't know, I was going to make a statement. I like listening to girl voices because I have a high voice, but that's not always true. <laughs> but I feel like sometimes I, I resonated with it. So it um, so I listened to that. Um, Susan Ashton, I was into a little bit. So yeah, there's two girl artists. Michael W. Smith, seriously, I was so into him that I it was it was unbalanced. I listened to him all the time, and people were like, "You should really listen to more stuff." And I was like, "No, no, Michael W. Smith is like the best artist in the world." Yes, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Leave me alone. And, and I remember, I remember <laughs> this is so funny. I remember people thinking like. Um, uh, people, you know, some people say, well, I don't like his voice. You know, it's really raspy. And I was like, and I was such a, you know, a fan that was defending. I was like, his voice, that is supposed to sound like it's so cool. I was like, imagine someone else singing Secret Ambition. Nobody knew him. Yeah. I was like, if yeah. someone else sang that without a raspy voice, it wouldn't even sound right. You know? That's right. <laughs> I was like that. You know? I was like, only Michael W. Smith can, sign, can sing that song, which is probably true. But, <laughs> but that's how I was, I was a big fan. You know, but I I was really into Michael Jackson too, and that's not okay. CCM, but I was really into into to that, and I think that was definitely influenced me and and kind of my style now. But have you ever gotten uh, to tell Michael W. Smith that you used to defend his honor? No, but he knows. So there's a story. I, I don't know. You can edit however you want, but uh, I'll <laughs> give you data to work with. Um. Uh. So I was such a big fan that I was okay when I was 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. And uh, he came to we. I went. I went to, in Lakeland, Florida, where I grew up. There's this big church that's actually not there anymore. It, it got torn down. Um, but it's a big church, ten thousand seat auditorium called Carpenter's Home Church. Um, they had everybody in Christian music, Christian music coming through there. Michael W. Smith, DC Talk, Immigrant, everybody. And um, and so that's kind of. I also got exposed to Christian music and started trying to meet people. And um, so Michael W. Smith was there many times. One of the times he was there, because I, it was my church I went to, and I knew all the security guards and all the people <laughs> kind of in charge, I could kind of wiggle my way around, you know, <laughs> like when a show would happen. <laughs> so I could easily get backstage, you know. And um, I would, uh, you know, I'd, I'd do the thing where I'm like, I got, I, I'd go get two waters in my hand and say, hey, excuse me, I, I need to get through. And so I looked important. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, come on through, you know. <laughs> and, and so I'd get through, and I'm like, okay. So I, I got backstage, and. Um, so, oh, I want, I want to meet Michael W. Smith, you know, and, um, you know, it's funny here, here I was talking about some fans who, who <laughs> plus one day, um, uh, defied some, some, this, some, uh, space self, what do you call it? Um, boundaries. Um, I was kind of, I, I kind of was like that. So, wow. How hypocritical of me. <laughs> um, I, 
I literally, Michael W. Smith, I still call him Michael W. Smith, Michael W. Smith. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I saw him, he was eating, in a, you know, before the show, you eat at the, wherever the designated area. And so it was, it was in the North Prayer Room is what they called it. Actually. And uh, he was in there eating at a table, his crew and everything. And I literally was like, oh, cool, I'm going to go over there and ask him if he'll listen to a song I wrote while he's eating. <laughs> I didn't think that was weird. Yeah. And and I I was on my way approaching to to him to ask, and all of a sudden his road manager intercepted me. Oh. I was like, hey, where's your badge? He's like, where's your badge? You know, like you're laminate to get backstage. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't have one. He's like, yeah, 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 you're going to have to leave. So they basically kicked me out, you know? <laughs> and so during that process of them kicking me out, I'd, I'd, I'd sneak back in. So they kicked me off three times that, <laughs> that night. So now they're like, who's this kid who's so into Michael W. Smith trying to meet him, you know? I finally do meet Michael W. Smith, you know, and everything, shake his hand, have him sign all three of my songbooks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> my, my, uh, and, and my CDs. I literally, how, I'm so hypocritical here. I'm dissing these other fans. I was that fan. You I was were. <laughs> I was that fan. I was like, here's the three songs, you know? Or here's the three song books. Oh, can you sign my CD? Oh, can you sign this? Can you sign this? I was that guy. And um, <laughs> so, that being said, shame on you, Nathan. So, uh, so the reason I'm bringing this up is his road manager was Joey Ciccolini. Okay. And he kicked me out. And I remember, you know, that event happening. And um, I'm sure, like, I, I will interact now with Michael here and there, you know, I've actually, you know, was sang for him um, on one of the worship records, and he, you know, we've, I mean, we're acquaintances. I don't want to say we're like friends, but actually, I saw him the other day, and and we talked naturally, and I would say maybe we're friends, but whatever. My point is, <laughs> I know in his mind he's got to remember that I was that kid, you know. Maybe he doesn't. You've never uh, brought I, it up. I, 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 well, no, no, because I was embarrassed by it. But I think, I think here's why, because. I think he does remember because um, um, Joey Ciccolini, his road manager, who who kicked me out three times that night. Years later, I was probably 15, 16. Years later, when I'm 21, 22, we're doing plus one. I'm in plus one. We're we're doing our big shows. We need to hire. Um, you know, we have people or crew working for us, and. Uh, we ended up hiring his da- Joey Ciccolini's daughter, Megan Ciccolini, which now she's married. I don't know what her last name is Megan White, I think. Anyway, um, and so anyway, all that say is I re-meet Joey Ciccolini, and he's like, I know you. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he says, you're the guy I kicked out of the Michael W. Smith thing three times. I was like, oh, my gosh, you remember that? You know? What? And um, so that's, yeah. So that's why I was always kind of like, man, did he tell Michael? Does Michael know? And um, so I never brought it up. I don't know. We'd interact, and, you know, Michael would not treat me weird, and we've had many conversations. So um, I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's weird. I mean, I will, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At some point, I'm getting you both on the show together, and we're going to talk about this. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of this whole story from two different perspectives. Oh, I love it! Yeah, I can't keep, keep from laughing as you're telling that story. Right after telling the story about the woman that used to come to your hotel room, and try to bring her kids there and all that stuff. Oh, it's so perfect. Here with Nathan oh Walters. Get ready to wrap up, uh, Nathan. I like just two quick questions. I don't want to keep you too long from your family, and then wrap up with rapid fire. If you could open up for anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? 
Anyone in what? Sorry. If you could open up for anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh. Oh, wow. Dead or alive. Wow, that opened up. And uh, think of it from like the mindset of like you get oh, to hang right. out with them. Yeah, I'll get to hang out with this person oh, and yeah. have a show that day with them. And this is rapid fire? Okay. I no, 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 no. This, is, this, is, uh, this isn't rapid fire. This isn't rapid fire. You can, you can okay. ponder for a second. Um, anyone? Um, man. Um, I mean, you think it's. Okay, I get to hang out with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's somebody alive. I, I think I'd like to. Um, there's a an artist named Oliver Arnold, who's a piano artist, okay. and I really like his stuff. He just plays piano, and I think it would be cool to to open up for him and hang out with him. I think we'd get along and could collaborate on some stuff. Yeah, I need to check Maybe. that out, Oliver. 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 So he, it's not Oliver. It's O. O L A F U R. He's from. Um, oh. Um, yeah, uh, I can't think of it. Uh, Iceland. You oh, know. Very cool. I think I it's check Iceland. this out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me check him yeah, out. Yeah, it's really cool music. And then let me ask you this: What's your songwriting process like? I know you work with a lot of artists now, and uh, and produce a lot of different people and a lot of different things. What's your songwriting process like? Whether it be for you or with other people. You know, uh, I will say there's no formula, but. I do kind of have a formula. <laughs> you know, sometimes you write a song, you're like, wow, that was cool. That happened in a different way. I do definitely start out with the melody, you know. Um, I'm such a melody-driven guy that it's really a big mel- melody thing for me. So I'll sit down at the piano um, and just kind of go with what makes me feel, you know, good, you know. And um, unless I'm writing for something in specific, like if I'm trying to write something for film and TV or an artist, I will kind of calculate, okay, what's the home for this song? what do we need to do, you know? And so what kind of vibe do we need to mimic, you know, cause everybody's kind of copying somebody to some degree, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for myself, if I'm writing, um, I just love to sit down at the piano and, and, and solve out the melody. And then sometimes that might turn into a fast song, even though I'm singing like a ballady kind of thing. And then, um, when I'm, I, I, I'm one of those guys who definitely makes up gibberish words you know, that don't make any sense, you know, as you're <laughs> singing words, you know, you know, and, and then sometimes, and I, and I do like nowadays to get the ability to do this is I, I never look at things as a demo. There's no such thing as a demo mm-hmm. because, or at least I have, you know, I have this recording equipment, it's professional and anyone these days can do that, you know, um, just document everything because you never know. It could be, it could be so cool that you can't recreate it. It's part of the recording you know? Mm. And, um, so I've learned even when I'm scatting down my melody ideas, like if I, I also write in a way where I write, make a track and, and, and sing over it. Um, you know, a lot of times those, you'll, you'll be like, wow, did I say the word ocean? You know, sound like it. Yeah, that's cool. Let's call it a song ocean. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a simple, <laughs> um, so yeah. That's, that's how I do it. He's Nathan Walters. Nathan Nathan, let's wrap this sucker up with some rapid fire. You ready? I think so. All right. What's the last Halloween costume you remember wearing? Oh, uh, I honestly took <laughs> the one last thing I remember wearing was a um, old plus one costume that we had on a t- on a show. <laughs> Um, on a on a tour, and I found it, and I was like, "This is so extreme!" And I and I and I wore it, and it was just over the top. It was mixed. It was all the different. You know, I think I was wearing Jason's pants, um, <laughs> Nate's shirt. I'm joking by saying it. Um, it was just a bunch of clothes that I had, and um, this was years ago. And I uh, put it all together, and I think I, I, my wife was like, "Hey, let's put makeup on you too." So I was, just, I don't know what I was. I was like this 
this guy wearing makeup, but I wasn't a girl. I was a, it was just a weird, weird thing. That's the last thing I remember that popped in my head. <laughs> I know that's not the last Halloween <laughs> costume I had. That's the one that popped in my well, head. That's the one I wanted you to tell me. I didn't know about that. Yeah. I love it. What's, what's your favorite junk food? Oh, and, oh and, go ahead. And, and, and I'm driving, and I got pulled over that night by, oh. I think I was speeding or something, and a cop pulls me over and license and registration, and here I am wearing this, you know, <laughs> dressed up with makeup. He let me go, which is awesome. So. <laughs> well, oh, never mind. I want to move on for a second. What's your favorite junk food? Oh, yeah. I love chocolate. I'm a big mm-hmm. chocolate, dark chocolate. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? No. Uh, well, I mean, to the dry, like when, not out. But like right. if I if you know get the mail from the driveway, yeah, I've done that. What was but your? No, I've never done it in public. <laughs> what was your, What was your first car? Oh yeah, uh, first car was a red Chevrolet, some kind of Chevrolet. Yeah. If the toilet paper roll is really low, do you replace it or leave it for someone else? Yeah, um, I if it's really low, like it it's not usable low, yeah, I I replace it. Yeah. What color? But it's just a little bit on there, and it could be used. Yeah, I'll let them <laughs> use it. <laughs> what, what color is your toothbrush? It's um, it's made of wood, so it looks oh. like the wood color. Okay, yeah. that's and a first. And it's got a blue, blue tip. Uh, you know, the bristles are blue and white. All right. In the I tell I say this sometimes. The, when my wife was practicing these questions with me, I got mine wrong. I got mine, I was like, well, oh, no. whatever. In the movie about your life, the Nathan Walters story, what actor plays you? Oh, <laughs> okay. The guy who's incredible heart, uh, Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that's acceptable. I think that could be a good one. That's yeah. a good call. Good. Call. I like him too. You are. You have a time yeah. machine for one day. A time machine for one day. When and where do you go? Mm. I can go in the past or the future. Yep. I I, I want to go to the I would I would not go to the future. So I would go to the past. I'd go to the past and pull the whole like I'm Back to the Future when they read the sports <laughs> almanac. Oh or whatever yeah. And then I'd do I'd make some kind of financial move. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I'm with you on that and, one. And, 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 yeah, and know which which stock to invest in or something, you know. That's a good call. I think the future could just be disappointing. I don't, I don't want to go there either. I think so. That, that's why I'm like, ah, this year, 2020 has been rough. I don't know if I want to see the future yet. <laughs> what was your favorite cartoon growing up? Transformers. I was big into Transformers, yeah. I love this song. The melody so cool. Transformers, <laughs> more than meets the eye. It's such a good melody. That shaped you maybe into what you are today. Possibly, I don't know. I think so. <laughs> and last but not least, what's the useless talent you have? Well, yeah, I think uh, I, I actually like to do like magic tricks, and um, I think it could. It's yeah. So I do these magic tricks. Like I can make um, a, a, a tissue float in the air. Oh. Um. So I actually, yeah, I did it to to my wife for one of the first the first year we were married and. It freaked her out. She was like, she literally told me, "Oh my gosh, I thought you, you know, I was like, oh no, who did I marry? Right. He's like, he's making things float. <laughs> it was that convincing, is what I'm saying. And um, and uh, yeah. So Love I don't it. know. And my daughter, yeah, I guess it's not useless because my kids like doing it, but it is, it's useless in the big scheme of. It's at least fun. Life. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It is fun. And it you is can, fun. you could listen. You should start marketing yourself for kids' birthday parties and just you know just see where it I goes. Think you that, just I, never know. 
You never know. He's all That's right. He's Nathan Walters of NathanWaltersMusic.com. If you're a singer, songwriter, band, check him out and uh, go record something, right? Go, go, go put some work in. Yeah. And I, as someone who worked with Nathan, and Nathan, I did check this before we got on. Our song is still one of your samples on your website. And I'm just. I'm gonna right. I'm gonna check it periodically and when it's off it's it's gonna I'm gonna call uh, you. No, I'm well you're right. I, I kept that on it because I really loved I really loved the production of that. Yeah. So like you and I, you know, I will many people were involved, but I remember when we were Ryan, I loved how I loved how you sang the word sound. Yeah. It was a fun sound. song. Yeah. It's yeah, a fun song. It's, a fun song. <laughs> it's just still on the shelf somewhere. So there we go. Well, Nathan, thanks so much for hanging out, man, and uh, thanks for for doing the show. And we look forward to catching down the line. Yeah, thanks so much, Austin. Talk you to you soon. Thanks, man. You've been listening to Behind the Tunes with Austin Black, produced by Grayson Rucker. A special thank you to our sponsor, Visible Music College, a music and worship school that trains and disciples students for the music industry and the church. You can learn more about them at visible.edu. And you can reach the show at behindthetunes at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Be sure to tune in next time as we go Behind the Tunes. <laughs>